You're listening to the 1208 Podcast from 1208 Greenwood Free Methodist Church in downtown Jackson, Michigan. continue uh chatting with our message now now if you have questions while we're going through the message or comments or whatever feel free to leave them down in the chat uh i will do my best to kind of chat with people as i preach i don't know if i'm able to multitask like that but you know happy to uh to give it a shot so hey uh we're preaching through luke and today's passage comes out of luke 22 and it starts with communion it goes like this and when the hour came He reclined at table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. He took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Behold, the hand of him who betrays me is with me on the table. For the Son of Man goes as it has been determined. But woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. And they began to question one another, which of them it could be was going to do this and then here's a passage in luke that struck me a little differently this time when i read it coming right out of communion itself so jesus does communion here's what the elements represent i'm going to die and then he says woe to the disciple here who's going to betray me and they began to question one another which of them it could be who is going to do this so they're pointing fingers at one another it's you no, 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 it's you. No, it's not me. I would never do such a thing. You know, and Peter, of course, is is like, especially most adamant when Jesus is like, you're going to betray me or you're going to deny me. Peter's like, no, I won't. So you see Peter probably like, oh, it's not me. It's probably John. You know, like they're going back and forth fighting about, about who's going to betray Jesus. But then that conversation involves into the dumbest conversation ever. This is a sacred moment. This is a sacramental moment. This is the very first communion. And this is what happens. They're fighting about who's going to betray Jesus. And then Luke 22, 24, a dispute also arose among them as to which of them would be regarded as the greatest. Which of them is going to be the greatest? Like, that's totally not where you're expecting this conversation to go. But for these disciples who have proved to be kind of dense-headed over and over again, they go from Jesus saying, I'm going to die. One of you will betray me. They go from them saying, it's probably you. No, you're going to betray me. him. No, you're going to betray him. No, you're going to betray him. And then the conversation must have evolved at some point. Say, me, I would never betray him. I'm like Jesus' right-hand man. I... I'm I'm always there for him. I'm I'm probably, let's be honest, out of all 12 of us here at this table, I'm probably the best. <laughs> to which someone else would be like, what are you talking about? You think, no, 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 no. You think you're the best. You remember what you did yesterday? Jesus rebuked you for, for that statement that you made. He told you not to. You think you're the best. Well, I think I've been going with him full force and, and more, more full force than you've been. And you could just imagine 
how dumb of this conversation must be. Like in the midst of this sacred, sacramental, amazing moment of, of communion, suddenly this profane moment of narcissism just breaks through with, with them starting to discuss who is the best disciple. And Jesus responds to them, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those in authority over them are called benefactors, but not so with you. Rather, let the greatest among you become as the youngest, and the leader as one who serves. For who is the greater, one who reclines at the table or one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at the table, but I am among you as the one who serves? For you have stayed with me in my trials, and I assign you, as my Father assigned to me, a kingdom, that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom, and sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. So at the end of this, Jesus does give them the heads up. Yes, you will have authority. Yes, you will reign. But then he looks at them, and when it comes to being like great on earth and being the greatest and the best, he looks at them and says, not so with you. That's not how it works for the people who follow me. You are to make yourself humble. You are to make yourself the lowest of the low. Usually it's the firstborn in this culture who gets the best stuff. And Jesus is saying, no, you act like the youngest. Usually it's the leader who gets all the privileges. And Jesus is like, no, you act like the janitor. Uh, usually it's the greatest ones who get to sit in the greatest places. But Jesus tells us that the kingdom of heaven is completely upside down, that the social classes are flipped. Jesus actually tells us many times, it seems, throughout the Gospels, that the greatest on earth who enter into heaven will be the least of heaven. And the least on earth, you know, the people at the bottom of the ladder, the people at the bottom of the social class, the people who have given up so much to follow Jesus— those people at the bottom, the least of these, will actually be the greatest in heaven. And that kind of messes with your mind a little bit, because a lot of times we're thinking like when we get to heaven, everything is just going to be like, everybody gets a perfect division of land and a perfect division of gold roads and this and that. I don't know why I'm British all of a sudden. But there's like this idea that like when we get to heaven, everybody's just going to be great. But it actually comes up quite a bit. Like, don't store your treasures on earth, store your treasures in heaven, as though the things that we are doing right now and how we're making ourselves the least and the smallest and the youngest and the servant and the janitor in this life, when we do that in this life, we are actually increasing what life might be like in heaven. Is that how it works? I, I don't know, but there seems to be passages that do seem to lend some credence in that direction. And so Jesus looks at his disciples, who at one point were arguing about who would betray him, then started arguing about who's the greatest, and he tells them, that's not how this thing works. That's not how heaven works. We've talked about this. That's the funniest part. Jesus has literally talked about this already in the Gospel of Luke. The same book, the same conversation happened in Luke 9, which Rachel read for us at the beginning of today's service. Let me reread it to you because it's interesting. There's two themes going on here that are going to feel familiar. This is like pretty much the first time that Jesus tells his disciples that he's going to die. He says, uh, while they were marveling at everything Jesus was doing, he said to his disciples, let these words sink into your ears. The Son of Man is about to be delivered into the hands of men. But they did not understand this saying. 
And it was concealed from them so that they might not perceive it. And they were afraid to ask him about this saying. So Jesus basically just said what he's just communicated at the Last Supper. I'm going to die. <laughs> and they're afraid to ask him what he means by that. And then what happens after that? An argument arose among them as to which of them was the greatest. <laughs> this is communion is a second, at least the second time that Jesus has had this conversation with him. You know, it's almost like, you know how like when serious conversations come up, sometimes we just like try to change the subject because we don't know how to handle them. Have you ever told a friend something really serious about your life and they couldn't handle it? So they just like, so not wonderful weather we're having today. If you've had that happen before, that's almost what it feels like with the disciples. Like <laughs> anytime Jesus talks about his death, they change the subject. But it's interesting. The thing that they always change the subject to is, so which one of us do you think is the greatest disciple? <laughs> it's just pure narcissism. Which, which one of us do you think is the best of the best? Who do you think is Jesus' teacher's pet? Hmm? What, do you, what do you guess? Rabbi's pet, who is that? So this argument rises among them as Jesus talks about his own death. They wonder who's the greatest. And then Jesus looks at them and tells them essentially the same thing he tells them at the Last Supper. Uh, Jesus, knowing the reason of their hearts, took a child. So child, they're at the bottom of the social ladder, pretty much when it comes to families. They're, they're not treated very well in Jesus' culture. Uh, they are the workforce of the family to some extent. And Jesus brings this child before them and says, whoever receives me, receives him who sent me. Sorry, whoever receives this child in my name, receives me. So whoever takes this lowly child at the bottom of the social ladder, when you're taking the lowly, you're, you're receiving me. And whoever receives me receives him who sent me. This is, this is Jesus' teaching elsewhere, right? Very powerful passage. One of the most convicting passages of the whole Bible, in my opinion, is when Jesus talks about how if you, he's separating the sheep from the goats. He says, if you don't take care of the poor and the least of these among you, then you will be turned over to the judgment of hell. Like, what do we even do with that, right? He doesn't say, those of you who believe with your mind that I am Jesus, you'll, you'll, uh, that's all you need. Actually, Jesus goes on to say, like, the idea is like, if you truly believe that Jesus is Lord, if you truly believe that, that you are going to follow him and give your life to him and pledge your allegiance and loyalty to Jesus, the son of God, then you are going to be about his kingdom, which is about reaching the least of these, which is about taking care of them. If you're not doing those things, then Jesus in that passage with the sheep and the goats essentially seems to be saying like, do you really have your faith in me? Because faith is about action too, not just about what you believe. It's not just a magical incantation as though I can speak the Lord's prayer and therefore by my own words, I am saved. Because that idea is just I'm saving myself. No, we live out our faith. It's a conviction that we live into. And Jesus says, whoever receives this child, the lowly of the lowly here, in my name receives me. It's the same idea as the sheep and the goats. For he who is least among you all is the one who is great. Now, these passages, um, I must have been ignorant of them when I was younger. Uh, I've shared this story before. I actually just shared it on our Jackson Cloud online church last week. Uh, but <laughs> I, I got caught up in a lot of pride when I was a kid. Um, 
especially with music. And because I was a Christian and had this religious side to me, my religion actually made my uh, pride even stronger. Here's what happened. I was really into music. I loved music. I wanted to do a lot with music. I still do. But at the time, I came in contact with the popular passage, Jeremiah 29, 11, which says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, the Lord plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And that passage, I heard it 40 times in two months. Why? Because one of the mega churches out there started preaching on it. And then every church that followed that mega church started preaching on it using that passage. And so I saw the passage everywhere. But I thought the reason that I was seeing it was because in my religious pride, God was communicating explicitly to me, Jamin Bradley, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you. You know, and because music was my thing, I thought God was saying, like, I will make you famous. You will travel the world and tour and play songs for all people. Like that, that was where my mind went. And it the religious pride of my life just boosted me to this place where I started to conceive of myself in, in all the wrong ways. Like, <laughs> this is, I know this sounds ridiculous. I'm just trying to tell you my story. I kind of came to this conclusion at one point. I can't die. <laughs> Not that I'm immortal, but like God has plans for me. And he's told me so many times, like, I, I can't die until it happens. So I think I'm good, you know, like, and, and that didn't like influence how I lived my life necessarily. But like, that was as ridiculous as my pride went. And eventually I was actually kicked out of the youth group band. And the reason I was given was for my pride. And I didn't fully understand that at the time. Uh, so I had all this pride and I wasn't laying it before God. Instead, I was letting myself think that God was fueling my pride and taking me to this new level. Um, but that was not what he was doing. And so I flip-flopped. I did something that equally was not helpful to my own testimony. When I got kicked out of the youth group band, and I know it sounds weird, but that youth group band was everything to me. <laughs> when I got kicked out of that youth group band, um, my, since I was kicked out for pride, I figured what I needed to do was stop having any trust or confidence in myself whatsoever. I, I needed what I later realized was a false humility. So if my pride was making me like a ridiculous person, then I needed to rip myself apart a bunch, kind of like Joel was saying during the prayer time. Uh, and I had that religious side of me too, is that I like to nitpick at all my sin. I would stay up late at night and tell myself all the horrible things I've done and repent before God and all these things. And repentance is important, but like Satan was using that in my life to just accuse me over and over again to the point that I was stuck in so much shame that I couldn't get out. It's actually something I still get stuck in these days if I'm not carefully fighting it. Um, but as I'm... <laughs> Janae apparently has told Kevin that they'd like to test the theory as to if I can die or not. I don't, I don't know what that means, but I'm going to be staying away from you guys over future weeks. How could you say that when my family is going through COVID? Come on, you guys. <laughs> totally kidding. Totally kidding. But I've now forgotten what I was talking about. And usually when I forget what I'm talking about, you all don't remember either, which makes me wonder if uh, I'm saying anything at all. Oh, false humility. Right. False humility. <laughs> so my false humility, um, I would start tearing myself apart. 
So someone would be like, Jamin, you play guitar really well today. Like, no, 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 I didn't. No, I don't play guitar well. And God really, uh, uh, it's all for God. If you do see anything good going on here, that's all for God. All glory to God. You know, like no confidence in Jamin whatsoever anymore uh, because I didn't want to have pride. Uh, And that's a good thing. Pride will ruin you. Just like these disciples would find it ruining their, their own uh, spirit when they're always talking about who's the greatest. Um, But all that being said, uh, my, uh, my humility took a long time to, it, it took a long time for me to learn how to find the balance between recognizing that I am a person who God loves and can take pride in myself in certain ways and finding out what humility means. Like Jesus doesn't necessarily tell the disciples that they have no like authority or pride in themselves. Right. He actually tells them that they're going to sit on thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Like these 12 disciples actually take on a role in heaven. That's beyond the role that we all will take. They get, they get these thrones of judgment. Jesus didn't tell them that they shouldn't have like any kind of pride or authority. No, Jesus' point was you have pride and authority and you are to set it aside just like Jesus did. Jesus is God in flesh. He is Yahweh himself. And yet God lays his pride aside and dies on a cross. Jesus said he could call down legions of angels from heaven. Legions. That's like hundreds or thousands. It's a large army. Jesus could call down an army of angels from heaven. He has that kind of authority, that kind of pride. But his point was, I set that aside, and instead I die on a cross, and I descend to the lowest places. I go into the ground, into the underworld. I usurp Satan. I take the keys of death from him, then I come back to earth, and then I take off to heaven. And he does all that with an amazing humility that is the kind of humility that we find in heaven. Blessed are the meek, they shall inherit the earth. When the new heavens and new earth come, it's going to be for us meek people, for us who practice gentleness, for us who practice lowliness, for us who practice peacemaking. And so the absence of pride is not to have no confidence What healthy pride is, is saying, God, whatever authority and talent and skill and and anything that you've given me, I am going to subject that to you and make myself lowly. Because that's what you taught me to do, to make myself lowly. And so I will do that too. I'm not going to be like the disciples who run around acting like they're the greatest. In other words, (laughs) I'm not going to be a rap. Uh, a rapper from the nineties. <laughs> I don't know what it is about older rap music, but all of it is just, yo, I'm the greatest MC, the greatest MC and all the other MCs can eat it. You know, it's just like, they're always constantly talking about how they're the best of the best and everybody else has no idea how to rap whatsoever. Like that's, that's the disciples. They're, they're rappers from the nineties trying to act that they're all the best. And uh, Jesus calls them to lowliness. You know, if we don't if we don't live that lowly life, people aren't going to find the mark of Christ upon us because we don't look like Christ. If we're not going to serve the lowly, we're not going to find the mark of Christ upon us because Jesus said those who don't serve the lowly don't get in.
I'll leave you with a story. Uh, I was helping at a youth group overnighter in college. And I played guitar, uh, led a few worship songs. And when I was done, I was just walking around playing guitar. And as I was walking around playing guitar, this kid came up to me. He didn't have anyone hanging out with him. And he just berated me, like completely destroyed me over and over again. I was like, You're very bad at guitar. <laughs> I can play guitar way better than that. Like, I'm like, kid, it's a G chord. Like, you can't play a G chord better. Like, you just, you just play a G chord. Or you play the holiest of chords, which is called a G-sus. It's a G-sus stain. G-sus, get it? <laughs> Anyways, this kid comes up to me, and he just keeps insulting me over and over. Everywhere I go, I try to walk away. I walk up a store. A store. I walk up a stairs. I'm playing guitar up there, and he follows me, and he continues to rip me apart and tell me how much better he is. And I'm not even sure, but I, I got the impression that the reason that he thought he was better at guitar was because he had played the video game Guitar Hero, which is not a real guitar. I just want everyone to know that. Um, but like, he, it, 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 now when I look back at it, it breaks my heart. Like, why are you, why, what happened in your life to, to hurt you so much to follow me around and insult me in this narcissistic, like, I'm the best. I'm so much better than you. I don't even know who you are, but I am the greatest guitar player of all time. Like, that was the impression that he continued to give off at a youth group overnighter. And he was walking around, and he looked like he had no friend. And when we live in that kind of way, like, it turns people off, and it hurts people. When we act like the 90s rappers who can't see any goodness in anybody else because we're the greatest, then we we hurt each other. I know I'm smiling while I'm saying these things. I'm sorry. Your comments are popping up on a delay, so I'm reading through your jokes as I'm trying to talk serious. Uh, anyways. Anyways. Don't let your pride be your downfall because that is one thing that will always destroy you. And honestly, if you need an example of how pride can destroy you, just look at Satan. The Bible tells us that Satan wanted to usurp God. It pictures it in a vision in uh, Isaiah 14. In Isaiah 14, there's, there's God who is the biggest star in the sky. And this other star who's got his own kind of like authority, that God has made this star. This other star tries to get other stars to join it, as Revelation tells us, all these other spiritual beings to join him. And they try to usurp God on his throne. And it's because of Satan's ridiculous pride that a created being could think that he could usurp the creator. It's because of his pride that he's tossed out of heaven. And I can't tell you how many times I've seen people's pride in them. And when I say that, I'm talking about myself because it's been the death of me many times over. And even more so, it's been the death of my friendships over and over again. I have lost friends because I was not willing to be humble. I was not willing to live like Jesus. And I could keep telling more stories because more and more keep coming to my mind. But I told you I was almost done. So with all that being said, um, I'm going to let you go. Uh, but let me say a prayer for you and all let's, let's all subject our our pride and our humility, our authority and our littleness before God and allow Jesus to um, 
put us in our place, which if we're doing exactly what he calls us to do, rather than be the guy calling down angels from heaven, we'll be the guy putting a towel over our shoulder, taking off our shirt, and then washing the feet, the dirty feet of the disciples, like like a modern slave in Jesus' time, that he would make himself that lowly, descend to the lowest place to love others. So God, we lift our hearts up before you. It is so easy to get pumped up with pride. This is especially easy today. Uh, earlier, Pastor George was praying that we uh, um, would be able to set aside differences and become one because communion brings us all to the same level. doesn't matter where you are in any social class. Communion puts us all at the same table, in the same place. No one is greater. No one is lesser. We are all the same in Christ. And today, it is very easy to turn our noses towards the people around us. To look at someone else and say, "Mm, you think poorly and I think better than you. Mm, You're A, B, C, and D in in a description. I'm calling you out. I'm labeling you in this way. And we do that instead of humbling ourselves to hear other viewpoints, to listen, and to have a loving and careful conversation with one another. God, there are important conversations to be had. By all means, there's going to be arguments because Jesus' people argued with you all the time. Um, But if we can't love, if we can't be humble, if we can't set aside our pride, then we are not uh, treating our our fellow brothers and sisters, the way that uh, you do. And you are the way that we want to live. So we turn our hearts over to you. We subject our pride to you. And we ask that uh, um, we would follow you in all things. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, hey, thanks for joining us today. Uh, Big thank you to everybody who joined this chat and made this service more than just staring at my talking head. I know you did it for like half the service, but it's so cool to have pastor George and Joel and Rachel and Tyler and, and Kevin, and just appreciate you all. I don't know if we're going to be still online next week. I know I technically still have to be quarantining um, or I'll be right at the end. I guess I have to count my days. I don't know, Uh, but we will uh, catch up with you soon. Um, and just keep your eyes peeled on our Facebook page and our webpage for next week as we update you as to what our plan is for that Sunday. So with all that being said, everyone ignore Joel's comment about him being the greatest JB. Um, Well, he is the youngest, and I guess based on today's passage, that has to be true. I don't know. We'll see you all later. Have a good one.